This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 147. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 147. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, shameless moms. So happy to be here with you today. I'm talking about something that I thought I would probably talk about at some point, but I didn't know when that was going to happen. And then as usually happens, the universe sent me a sign that like now is the time. So here we go. Let's talk some more about IVF. So we did IVF unsuccessfully almost a year ago. And we're right around the time that if we'd been successful, I would have been pregnant and due right around this time. So I haven't been thinking about that timeline like all year long, but I've definitely been aware of that timeline in the last month or so. And then I got an email on the 4th of July from a shameless mom, Marie, and totally, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the email I needed to get right now because it really made me think more about kind of what was going on, where I'm at now a year later, how I'm feeling about things. And I really appreciated hearing her perspective because I was like, oh my gosh, she gets it. She gets what I'm going through. And when she listens to the Shameless Mom Academy and listens to me talk about my experience, she understands what I've been through. And so I felt like we're connected. So I'm going to read you Marie's email and we'll go from there. Hi, Sarah. After listening to yesterday's episode, five questions to ask yourself every morning, I decided that emailing you would be my pushing the comfort zone limits thing to do today. I had to re-listen to episode 43 to have or not have two kids a few days ago. And it's like you are able to articulate the constant internal debate that goes on in my head. 
It took us four years to conceive, thanks to fertility treatments, our beautiful little boy who is now 16 months old. Being an only child myself, there was never a doubt in my mind that I wanted more than one. I had a very unique upbringing, grew up on a sailboat, and went to 23 different schools. So it was very difficult for me to make friends, and I always wished I'd had a sibling who could relate to what I was going through. Type A control freak as I am, and I know you know what I mean, three days after Chance, our son was born, I decided that we'd have to start fertility treatments again as soon as he turned one because I wanted my kids to be two years apart, darn it. And so we did. After three failed cycles, I was deeply sad, hormonal, and miserable, but not for the reasons I would have expected. I started questioning things. I felt like I was just going through the motions, following the plan that I had laid out for myself back when I was a kid. Did I really want another child, though? Were we spending all this money and I was injecting myself with all this nasty stuff, while deep down I wasn't convinced that I wanted another baby? The whole thing was very unsettling. We decided to put the treatments on pause a couple months ago, and since then I've been furiously searching for peace and clarity. I have to thank you for your story because hearing you voice my own jumbled thoughts was incredibly helpful. I have always been an open book myself, but I know few women actually talk about this stuff. I am not yet 100% confident in my decision, strongly leaning towards not resuming fertility treatments though. Will I ever be? But I'm so glad that I took the time to pause and challenge what I thought was a no-brainer. I do wish that I entered motherhood knowing that Chance would be my only baby. Maybe I would have lived his first year a little differently. Do you ever feel that way? In any event, keep up the good work with the SMA. You are changing lives. Warmly, Marie. So, oh my gosh, all of that, every word, every damn word. So yes, I feel exactly (laughs) this way, especially that last sentence that if Marie had known that Chance was going to be her baby, how would she have lived that first year differently? Oh, that is like probably my biggest regret in my life at this point because I was so panicky that first year thinking, holy cow, this is so hard. I'm going to have to do it again sometime in my life. And it really prevented me from enjoying a lot of it. So I really, really relate to that. And I also really relate to this idea that you have a sense in your head from the time you're little or maybe just you know in your 20s, how many kids do you think you're going to have? And it can be really hard to deviate from that. And mentally, that can be a big adjustment. And that's something I've really struggled with with this whole thing is that I didn't have like this huge burning desire to have two kids, but I just kind of always thought that's the way it would be. And so to have that, to feel like that wasn't an option definitely has felt like a lot bigger loss than I ever imagined. So that's been a challenge. And I also can so relate to this type A piece of it, where if you are someone who is like you always push yourself to accomplish your goals and you do everything you set out to do and you make it work no matter what. And like, you always want to get, you know, hundred percent and extra credit on everything that you do. It's really hard to walk away from a goal or to feel like there's something that you just can't have that will never be within reach for you. And it's hard for me to differentiate as a type A kind of a person who's really driven. It's hard for me to differentiate. Did I really want a second child or did I just really want to get the thing I was going after? Because I'm really not used to not getting the things that I go after. I pretty much get everything I go after because I'm willing to like bust my butt until I get it. So this has really been a place where I haven't had control unlike any other situation in my life. And I think that Marie really nicely kind of articulated the same thing. So Marie, thank you so much for that email. I really, really appreciate it. And I feel like you just said so many things that I've been thinking about in the last year. So that was really impactful to me to read that. 
So I want to talk a little bit about what I have been going through the last year, kind of where I'm at now. And I'm talking about this because I get emails all the time from people who have listened to my story of infertility on the podcast and who can relate on one level or another or have family members who have gone through infertility and now they have a better understanding of what that's like. So I just feel like it's something that people can relate to on some level. And also, again, like Marie said, a lot of people don't talk about this stuff. And I kind of want to like expose it and be really open and honest and naked and vulnerable about the whole thing. Just because I think it's an important conversation. I mean, it's a huge part of womanhood and your fertility. And regardless of if you had children that you didn't expect to have, or you couldn't have children that you really wanted, like wherever you fall on that spectrum, your fertility is a big deal. And how that plays out in your life, I think is a really, really big deal, kind of regardless of what the ultimate outcome is and how closely it correlates to what you actually plan for yourself. The whole thing is just a lot. It's like for most women, it's going to be one of the biggest things in their lives, regardless of whether or not you had children, like your fertility will be one of the biggest factors and pieces in your life and something that you will just always have some sort of sense of as you move through life, whether you are actively trying to have children or actively trying not to have children. It's something you're always aware of. Like it's a thing that's always there. So a year later, here's where I'm at. I still think about this every single day. That has not stopped. I don't know that it will. And a lot of it, it's not thinking about it in sad terms as much anymore. It's just there. And so it's a lot of questioning and a lot of, well, maybe we should try this or maybe we should do this. And when I say try this and do different things, I definitely feel like I've gotten past the desire to be pregnant. Like I'm pretty pumped about not being pregnant again. (laughs) And I'm totally cool with never nursing again. (laughs) In fact, I'm like, wow, like I could give away my breast pump and that would be awesome. So there's pieces of that that I feel like I've definitely come a long way with where there's parts of the actual being pregnant and the actually nursing and those kinds of things that I'm like, I'm cool with letting go of those things. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 
15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. It's more the part of mothering and having the opportunity to mother another time that's the harder part for me. And so that's something that I think about. And I think also because I feel like I have a better sense of control over that, I have a hard time disengaging from thoughts of like, how else could I mother? Foster care, adoption, foster adopt, like go do snuggle nurseries at the hospital. Like there's all these other ways that I think about. I just don't think that mothering Vinny is the only way that I'm meant to mother. And so I've been really aware of, especially in the last few months, just what mothering might look like to me down the road. I don't know that anything's going to happen soon. I'm not really doing anything to make anything happen soon, but I'm definitely looking and thinking about like things I might want to do later. I've definitely had moments of what ifs. And so like, you know, maybe if we can finagle it this way or that way. And I definitely initially was looking into all sorts of different things. And what if we did egg donation? And what if we got a like a gestational carrier and all sorts of different things like that. And actually a good friend of mine actually volunteered to donate her eggs to us at one point. And at that point, we're a little bit past it. I'm glad she put the offer out there when she did, because I think at that point, we kind of made some peace with where we were at. So it wasn't, if it had happened earlier, I might've been like, yes, please give me your eggs right away. And I don't think I was quite in the right position to make that decision. So now I'm definitely like not looking for eggs, (laughs) but I am looking at like, what about adoption, fostering, those kinds of things. And I just don't know how that will play out. I have a lot of thoughts about pros and cons with that and the challenges that we would face. And I don't know that I want to be up for all of that. I worked in the psychiatric hospital for seven years and most of those kids were in the foster care system. So that has me pretty jaded. And that's not to say that those kids don't deserve all the love in the world. They need more love and support than any other kids. But I just don't know that I'm the person to provide that because I did it for seven years and it was really hard and it was really, it left me jaded and it was gut-wrenching and soul-crushing and all those things. So I'm not totally open to jumping into that. But what's interesting is that the further we get from our experience with IVF, the more I'm open to looking at different kinds of like temporary 
parenting situations. So like emergency foster placement, which I actually, in my college, I, for a year, had a job working with Child Protective Services where I facilitated visits between biological parents and their children who were in foster care. And so I would go to emergency placements where these kids were placed in emergency foster homes for up to three months. And I, it was usually babies. I would go pick up the baby and bring them to the Child Protective Service office. And then the biological parents would come for a visit. And I would supervise the visit and like take notes on the whole thing and have to turn in my notes. And all that stuff would be used in court later as the system was trying to deem whether or not the biological parents were fit for parenting based on the circumstances in which the kids were removed. So I've seen what temporary foster placement looks like. And I have a, a little bit of a sense of how that works. And that's definitely something I'm thinking about right now. Again, not for right now, but maybe for down the road because you can have baby snuggles for just short periods of time. <laughs> but then I was like, hmm, if you have baby snuggles, does that mean you just sign up for like sleepless nights over and over and over? Because you never get through. If you do like baby placement specifically, every time you get a new baby, you are going to likely, you know, you're going to get a baby that's under one year old. So you're going to have a child who is going to have not a lot of well-established sleep habits. And so you just keep getting new babies and you just keep having sleep deprivation versus your own child where you actually like work through that and you never have to look back. So I'm not sure that my route would be like the best route, but I do like the idea of like a cycle of baby snuggles. Like every few months you just get a new baby to snuggle with. And really like that's your biggest job in that situation. All you want to do is really have like human connection because of often these are babies that have not had a lot of contact with a primary caregiver. So my primary job would be like, just snuggle this baby, like have this baby on your chest, like heartbeat to heartbeat for as many hours a day as possible, which sounds so dreamy, right? So I don't know. Like these are the things I'm kind of thinking about right now. And who knows, a year from now, I could be like laughing that I'm even mentioning this, but this is kind of the progression of my thought patterns in recent months, especially. And I actually have a guest coming on the show in a few weeks, who is a foster mom. She's a single foster mom and she does emergency placement for babies. And so I have just been completely captivated by her story. So I'm very excited to talk to her. And I'll definitely, I'm sure, be talking a little bit more about where I'm at with my thought process when I do that interview. But hearing her stories actually really, really inspired me. So I think that's another reason that this is kind of on my radar. The other thing a year later, I'm really aware of what we do have already and trying to focus on that rather than focusing on what I don't have. And that can be a challenge because I'm real good at having some FOMO. So FOMO means fear of missing out for those of you who don't know. And it's really easy for me to look at the grass being greener on the other side. And I think that's kind of just human nature. But it's easy for me to be like, oh, wow, you know, if we had another baby, like all these things would just be so perfect and I would never have to think about this again. I think the reality of that is that if I were about to give birth any day right now, which would probably be the case if IVF had been successful, I think I'd be completely panicking and questioning if we were doing the right thing. I really, really think that I would be kind of a mess and I would be scared and I would be worried about like getting through the next four years and getting through sleepless nights and getting through like all the stuff that I've already done. So... I constantly remind myself that like, even though you think you want this thing, is it that you want that thing or you just want to have success around every single thing that you try? So I've been trying to like really talk myself through that. Some of the ways I've grown and changed in the last year is that I've definitely changed in how I parent and how I perceive my time spent parenting. So I try to notice the little moments with Vinny every single day. And it really, knowing that this is probably my one shot or my one big shot to do this for 18 years, 
or for as long as he needs me, which I really hope is much longer than 18 years. <laughs> so I really am aware of not trying to rush things so much and really trying to be aware of like, I get today one time. And so I want to make today the best day and I want to be patient and I want to be present and I want to be loving and all those kinds of things. I've really embraced the responsibility that comes with raising a human rather than just trying to get through the day. And I definitely before this had a lot of like, I just need to get through today or I just need to get through this phase or we just need to get through this because I was constantly thinking about like, I need to get through this to get to this next phase where we might have a second kid or to get through this hard part so that we have space for a second kid. That's been a really big shift is that I'm not just trying to get through a day or a week or a month. It's always about like, trying to enjoy the moment that we're in. And even when there's not pretty moments, because that certainly happens too. But really, I mean, even this morning, there was a sizable tantrum over what Legos could go to school, which ultimately culminated in no Legos being allowed to go to school. (laughs) And there was a lot of tears and it was really annoying. (laughs) But even in that situation, like trying to just be calm and compassionate and empathetic. And I feel like I've really come a long way rather than just being overwhelmed and annoyed. So I'm also really conscious of how I spend time with Vinny and how I can expand time rather than rush time. And I think part of this is him getting older. He's just a lot more fun. And so if like there's more activities that he can do and more things we can do together. And so I'm just really aware of like, what are the fun things that we can do as a family and what are some special activities that we can do? So that's been really, really fun. Creating our summer bucket list was awesome. And he's worked his way through like half of his already. He's way ahead of me. So that's been really, really cool just to work with him in kind of designing our life and designing our free time together and designing the things that we do as a family. So that's been really cool. I also think that I see a lot more magic and I feel a lot more peace around parenting. So I really notice moments and I don't let them slip away without noticing them. I'm just kind of constantly aware of like, you get this day one time or this moment right now or like this funny thing he's saying or doing or thinking. I'm just really trying to embrace all of that. At the same time, I'm also trying to be aware of like, if he's going to be an only child, I don't want him to be spoiled rotten and super obnoxious. And so (laughs) putting boundaries around like, I want to give him everything if he's going to be the only one, but also like give him everything, but make him work for like all of it too. (laughs) So it's not just like he lives the best, most amazing life ever. Because I don't think that there's always a ton of benefits to your kids living the best, most amazing life ever. (laughs) So that's been kind of a bit of a delicate balance between what we give to him and what we opt not to give to him. Some things I've overcome in the last year, I've overcome feeling sad all the time. That's for sure progressed. So that's been nice. I've overcome a sense of loss. So I definitely felt a sense of loss in the beginning and even up until a few months ago. I don't feel such a sense of loss anymore. I mean, I feel like maybe there was, you know, a loss in my history, but I'm not like mourning that loss anymore. I've been more aware of like what I do have because there's this extra space now. And so there's opportunity in that extra space. And so I'm trying to figure out like, what do I do with that extra opportunity that I wasn't expecting or wasn't planning on? Also noticing what we have instead of what we don't have, which I already mentioned. So just really being aware of the benefits that come with Vinny being an only child, the peace that is in our household most of the time, because he's not fighting with a sibling (laughs) and we don't have a screaming baby. And I'm not trying to like make dinner and pump at the same time. (laughs) So that's great. I've also, and this has been a big one because it's only been in the last couple months, I've also overcome feeling jealous of pregnant people. 
this was a rough one for me and I didn't see it coming. So when I was trying to get pregnant with Vinny, which took a couple of years, I definitely had pregnancy envy and I would see pregnant people and be around pregnant people. And like everyone I knew was getting pregnant all the time, accidentally, like baby was coming out of the woodwork. And I struggled with that. That was hard. This time around, I didn't feel that so much. Like as we were going through IVF, especially, you didn't feel that after it failed, definitely had a little bit of that. And for a while, like seeing pregnant people wasn't awesome. Seeing pregnancy announcements, not super cool. (laughs) So that was like not real fun, but I really have pretty much gotten over that. Like I can see a pregnancy announcement on Facebook and be like, oh yay, awesome. That's so cool. And I'm glad I'm not pregnant. (laughs) And I can see pregnant people and be like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. And like, you know, when are you due? And blah, 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 whatever. So I've come a long way with that. So that's definitely something that I feel like time has and perspective has really healed. Things that I've done in the last year in terms of like grieving and recovering and kind of working on my headspace, I've looked into other family expansion options and kind of looked at like, what are the options and what ones would make sense for us? And why would they make sense? And why would they not make sense? And so looking at like, you know, private adoption, would we pursue that? I don't think we would, but I don't know. I mean, at this point, I kind of say like nothing is off the table, but at the same time, I don't think that we would pursue private adoption. I also am at this point, kind of open to the fostering idea, which a year ago was totally close to that. So things are definitely shifting. I've also thought more and more about what I want and why I want it. So do I want something more because I just want more or because I'm driven or because I have FOMO or because I feel like less of a mother if my life is quiet and simple and not always chaotic. Those are things that I think about. I do think about like, am I experiencing motherhood on a less significant level because I'm not like fighting these daily battles. I'm not in the trenches with two little ones under, you know, three years old. I'm not like motherhood probably won't be a huge battle for me with one kid. Who knows? I mean, certainly things can change and who knows, but like there's enough room on my plate for me to really take care of Vinny and focus on him and give him what he needs rather than feeling like my attention is constantly divided. And so I won't be able to relate to moms in that way. And sometimes that feels like I'm a little bit less, like I'm a little bit less of a mom because I don't know the struggles of moms who have two and three and four kids. So working through that, thinking through all that has been a big deal and it's kind of a constant process. Other things I've done, booked a trip to Paris. So I said last year when I was recording all this, I said, if we can't have a second child, we will do things with our life that a second child would not allow for. And I said, one of those first things would be going to Europe. And so in September, we will be in Europe for the first time. My husband's been there many times, but it'll be my first trip to Europe. We're taking Vinny. We're going to Paris. We're going to Luxembourg. We have friends in Luxembourg. So we'll be there for a few days. Then we're going to Paris for a week. Then I'm going back to Europe in November. I'm going to London on a solo trip. So I'm very excited about that. And then I'm hoping And I have to say this on the podcast so that everyone can hear. I'm hoping that my good friend, Shameless Mama Dana, is planning to move to Puerto Rico because we would love to come visit her as a family sometime next spring. So that would be three big international trips that wouldn't happen if we had a new baby. So that's been a really big consideration is living life in a way that I couldn't if this baby situation had worked out differently and being really aware of some of the gifts and the opportunities that exist in this new space that I didn't know we would have. Also, I've also made 
big business plans to grow in new and challenging directions. And that's been really exciting. So there's things in the works that I didn't see coming that I didn't know would present themselves. And I've been able to embrace some of them and say yes to things that I wouldn't have been able to say yes to otherwise. And just really look at moving some things in a new exciting direction and taking ownership over the direction I want to go professionally and kind of what that's all going to look like in the next five or so years. And that's been really, really exciting. And so I'm really looking forward to that as well. And part of that has been embracing that to me, my biggest opportunity to mother might be through the podcast. It might be through this platform, like in the way I've also been mothering my clients at the gym for the last 14 years. But my biggest opportunity to mother might not be in mothering children. It might really be in guiding and supporting and helping women, which I've been doing for 14 years at the gym. And now I'm doing that here on the podcast and it's thousands and thousands of women every month and every week actually. And so having that opportunity to be a mentor and to help people, to support people, to guide people, to just hold that space with people is really, really huge. And so I've been really considering a lot what that means and how significant that is. And that maybe that is like my big opportunity at motherhood. Like, you know, certainly Vinny will always be the first on that list, but the people that I can take care of through my work is also a very close second. And I see that growing in new and big and exciting ways with the space of not having a second child. (laughs) Some things that I still need to do I still am working on making sure that I build a life I love with what I've got. And I think that is so important. No matter what you are going through, no matter what is facing you, make sure you're building a life that you love around you because that's always going to be the most important thing, no matter what your circumstances are. So even when you're down and out and things are not looking great, build a life that you love around what you do have, not around what you wish you had or what you want in three years, or it's really building a life that you love around what you have right now. Another thing I need to do, I need to get rid of some baby gear. We have a house full of baby gear. And now, of course, now that I'm like, well, maybe we'll foster someday. I'm like, okay, so do we keep all the baby gear? (laughs) There's so much stuff. I mean, literally, Vinny's crib has been sitting on our landing and our upstairs of our house. We have this little landing area that's like kind of a little library nook where there's all these built-in shelves. And it's right outside his bedroom door. And his crib has been dismantled and taken apart and sitting there for a year now. His rocker has been sitting right there next to the dismantled crib for a year. Like we maybe need to change some things. I have every piece of clothing he's ever worn pretty much. I have all of our baby toys. I have all of our board books. I have every bouncy, jumpy, swingy kind of a thing that he ever had in the garage. So I still have all this stuff. I will say One of the big goals we had when we talked about getting rid of stuff initially was that we wanted to hopefully be able to donate to a refugee family. And just yesterday on Facebook, someone posted about, does anyone have a baby Bjorn they don't need anymore? And I said, I do. So we were Facebook messaging and she said, and this is for a Syrian refugee family. They moved here. They have nothing. They have a two month old. And I was like, oh my gosh, what else do they need? Like, this is an opportunity presenting itself. We wanted to help a refugee family and here is opportunity to help a refugee family. So I'm now talking with my friend Carrie about other things that we can do to support this family and what can we give them? Because that would be so meaningful to me to just know that anything we give is going to someone who can really, really use it and is, you know, probably working on building a life here. Again, hopefully working on building a life that they love around them. And if our gear can help with that, I would be totally, totally honored. The other thing I need to still do is continue to see what I can have in this life that I couldn't have had 
in a life with more babies. And so that's what I'm just constantly being aware of, which I've kind of addressed already, but just constantly being mindful of like, you can go do this thing and do it. Don't not do it because now like there's opportunities you can take advantage of. And so especially the scary, uncomfortable things, do those scary, uncomfortable things. And also being really aware of doing scary things because I want Vinny to see me doing scary things. So like when we were in Red River, New Mexico recently, he wanted to go on this ropes course, which luckily with the scheduling of the classes that they offered on it, we couldn't make it work. And I was so relieved. The ropes course was huge. And most of it he couldn't go on because he wasn't old enough or didn't weigh enough. But there was this one level that he could go on. And even this minor level, which was like the least tall, scary level of it, was terrifying to me. And I was like, you know what, if he wants to do this, I have to do this with him because I know we're going to get up there and I know he's going to be terrified and he's probably going to want to come down right away. And I will literally be peeing my pants and trying not to throw up the whole time. But I have to do it because I have to do scary things and I have to let him see me do scary things so that we can overcome that together. Because we both have these intense personality types where we want to control everything. We want to like know everything in advance. We're very, very similar in many ways. And I really want to push him whenever he like volunteers to do something scary. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Even if I don't want to, and I can't stand the thing. So luckily that didn't work out because there was a whole schedule and classes that we had to do to get on the ropes course. And we couldn't do them the day that we were up there. But I'm just being aware of like, when there's scary opportunities, you have to do them. You have to take them. I really want him to see me doing scary things and really trying things that are uncomfortable. So my biggest realizations after this year are that everyone has a battle. Everyone has their thing. And some people have multiple battles. This is my battle. I'm, it probably won't be my only battle, but this is definitely one of my battles. And so this is my thing. And everyone has their thing. And, you know, a lot of people have their things very quiet and hidden. Mine is like loud and out there. But this is my thing. And so I've appreciated having the podcast as a place to talk about it and share because it's been really helpful and healing to me. But I've just constantly been aware that like everyone has their battle. No one has it all. No one has it perfect. Usually the people who have the most picturesque lives have the least picturesque lives behind closed doors. And that has been confirmed to be over and over and over in the last year or two. So just really being aware of like no one's life is as good as it looks like it is. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And nothing is ever as good as it seems, and nothing is ever as bad as it seems. So when I think my life is so easy and so simple and so perfect, Vinny will have a two-hour tantrum over Legos to remind me that it's not. And when I think that everything is falling apart, like something will happen, I'll remember that like actually I already have everything that I need. I've also realized that you can find magic anywhere. And so in slowing down a little bit and being a little bit more present in parenting, I'm definitely finding magic everywhere. And I also have been aware of just like my interactions with people, being more positive, being more helpful. My business coach, Carrie Wilkerson, has this saying, be seen, be heard, be helpful. And so just constantly being aware of that, I've really been focusing on this year. Like, where can I be helpful? How can I be a helper? Vinny and I talk about helpers all the time. How can you be a helper? Is this person being a helper? Like, oh, look, that person over there is being a helper. So you can find all this magic when you start noticing compassion and practicing compassion and noticing and practicing empathy. So that's been a really big part of this last year. Also realizing that moments matter, do not rush them. So I've, again, just been focusing on these little moments where I try to like lock them in my memory when they happen so that I don't forget or let go of magic moments and don't let them pass me by. I've also been reminding myself I don't have to be competitive about everything. So (laughs) a lot of my competition is being competitive with myself, but also like it doesn't need to be about keeping up with the Joneses. Just because the person down the street has three kids and you just have one, it doesn't make them a more like valuable or more fun or more awesome family. (laughs) So I don't need to be competitive about everything. There can be wins and gains with losses. This has been a good one for me. So With the sense of loss that I experience, there's also been some good wins and some good gains in terms of what it's been like for me to go through this publicly. That was a win. What it has allowed for our family in terms of like what we will gain as a family of three that we couldn't have as a family of four, like my perspective on that has shifted a lot. So just looking for wins and gains within the loss has been really powerful. I've also realize that I might never be over it and it might never feel done, but that doesn't mean that I can't move forward. And so I'm not constantly looking for a solution today. I'm not obsessing about a solution. I'm more looking at like, maybe down the road, this is something I'd want to explore. So keeping doors open. And that's actually been really, really helpful to me in this whole thing is just like looking at the situation instead of like, no, you can never have another baby. It was more like, You can't have a baby in this way right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a mother or mother in a different way. Or like, that doesn't mean you're like every day that is over with Vinny is a day closer to the end of your mothering experience. So moving forward has been just really important and fully recognizing like I might never feel like I'm totally over this though. I think I will always wonder what it would be like to have a second child. I will always wonder if like, 
you know, what if we had tried a year earlier and my eggs were in a better place? Or what if we had done a private adoption? Or what if we had done foster adopt or whatever? Like, I think I will just always wonder what would life have been like, especially for Vinny, if he'd had the opportunity for a sibling. But even though I won't maybe ever feel over it or feel totally done and have a lot of closure in that, I think that I can still move forward. And I think that's a big thing that I was thinking in reading Marie's email is that I was thinking that the journey doesn't always have to have a destination. Sometimes you just stay on the journey. And, you know, I think at some point I will feel like I'm at a place where like I know unequivocally what the end looks like. I'm not there at this point. But I think that a lot of times you just stay on the journey. And I think that I sensed a lot of that in Marie's email. It's a lot about like introspection and perspective and thinking about what does this really mean for you, for your family? What do you truly want versus what you thought you wanted? All those kinds of things. So you move forward while you figure those pieces out. And then lastly, my last realization was that sharing and talking feels really good and it helps others while it helps me. And so that's why I have been open about this experience. And especially as we were going through it, why I shared it all, because I knew that it would help other people, but I also knew that it was therapeutic and cathartic for me to kind of explain what was happening as we were going through it. And I just think it's really important that we share our stories. I think that stories are so important and so significant. And I think the more we share stories, the more we allow for connection and we allow for learning and we allow for more grace between people. And so sharing and talking feels really good. And definitely I get a good sense that I'm helping other people, but it also really helps me. So that's where I'm at right now. I really want to thank Marie so much for your email. I really appreciate it. And it definitely, it landed in my inbox right when I needed it to land there. So timing is funny like that, isn't it? If you have questions for me or feedback or input, or you want to share a story of your own, like definitely feel free to reach out to me at info at shamelessmom.com. I'm happy to connect. This is something that I'm really passionate about these kinds of stories and fertility and other people's stories and struggles. So just definitely feel like you have a place to come if you ever need to. And you can always find me at info at shamelessmom.com. That is my private email box that goes straight to me. And if this is your first time listening, if someone shared this episode and was like, you need to hear this because of your situation, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So come back because we have a great interview coming up on Wednesday. I'm actually really excited for the interview we have on Wednesday with an amazing, amazing Shameless Mom. So... I hope that you come and join us again. If you want to have our show and never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And that allows you to subscribe to the show. While you're there, you can also write a review. And I will say that reviews make a really big difference in my ratings and how much this show gets shared with other moms and how this show can help other moms. So please do write a review. Just pop into shamelessmom.com forward slash review. It really takes like a minute and a half to click on however many stars you want to give me. I would prefer five. And then you can write like one or two sentences about what the show means to you. And it goes a long way in just keeping my show highly ranked and helping me continue to spread the shameless love. So thank you for spending time with me today. I can't wait to be back together again in a couple more days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.